BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. What is up, Gypsy Gang? Uh, Got something a little bit different today. I have been going through some of my archives from some of the old interviews that I've done, and I've come across this absolute gem uh, with Alden Baker. I did it in 2014, and it was for uh, a project that I actually want to resurrect. I'd love to, uh, I would really love to finish out uh, this project, but it was just kind of an idea. We were trying to shoot some extra uh, little things off to the side when we were uh, actually doing Motospy back in, back in two, I'm pretty sure it was for Motospy. It was either that or for like some Red Bull TV show. Um, but yeah, got this interview with Alden um it's not a super not a super long one but we're dropping a bunch of clips on YouTube uh so I just thought if you're not part of the YouTube audience uh it would be cool just to post the full length thing here so uh thank you for listening as always um I hope you like this one this is a really cool interview Alden's honestly one of my favorite people in the industry he's such a unique dude um super super smart and man, I always just had nothing but respect for Alden. I had nothing but great times every time I was around him and his family. Uh, and I'd actually love to do the podcast with him at some point. And I'm sure we will. Um, but yeah, just wanted to post this one on the iTunes feed for everybody uh, who doesn't do the YouTube thing. Uh, I'm just going to read out real quickly some of our sponsors just to... Um, you know, plug the legends that make this happen. Um, obviously, the guys at Boost Mobile, you can head to boost.com.au. Uh, best prepaid packages in Australia, in my mind. Uh, that's what we stream the Supercross on. So um, they are a very robust network. Uh, we're also brought to you by the guys at mxstore.com.au. Uh, these guys have been supporting us for a long time now. They're amazing supporters of the Australian motocross industry. They're amazing supporters of Gypsy Tales. Uh, you can head to mxstore.com.au. Uh, huge advantage with these guys is same-day shipping if you order on a weekday before 2 p.m., massive massive range of dirt bike parts and accessories uh, also brought to you by the guys at rival ink De- rival ink design co.com again guys that have just been looking after us for for day one uh, we've got some cool stuff coming up uh, obviously the mid 2k build still working on that bad boy uh, and we're going to do another build on uh, the ktm as well thinking we're going to turn that into the a gas gas make the world's first 350 gas gas so we're going to be able to have some fun with rival there you can head to rival ink design co.com use the code gypsy gang 
or Gypsy Tales to get 15% off. We're also brought to you by the guys at Cricks Tweed. Crickstweed.com.au if you're in the market for a new or used car. Uh, they don't just sell Mitsubishi Tritons like the one that I drive. Uh, and also brought to you by Fist Handwear. Go to fisthandwear.com.au. Use the code Gypsy Gang or Gypsy Tales for 15% off. And that code is also going to work at dixonquality.com.au. They're dropping the Garth flannel tomorrow. Make sure you don't miss out on that. Uh, honestly, winter's just around the corner. It's about to be flannel weather again. So uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. This is just a cool little bonus archive episode. Um, and, yeah, maybe this will uh, maybe this will get the ball rolling to get Alden on the podcast, which would be cool as well. Gypsy Gang. Gang, gang, gang. they come and get gang. Gang, gang, they come and get gang. Gang, gang. I'm at a gypsy gang. I'm at a gypsy. So, like... Obviously, what we're just theorizing now. You know what I mean? We don't yes. we don't have anything. So this is more just a theory before we hopefully get into actually doing some real research into it. Right. So I mean, there's it's not like there's pressure from me when I ask you questions mm. to give a definitive answer because it's right. there is. You know what I mean? So right. we're we're kind of just shooting off the hip and yeah. talking about theories and yeah. questions you have or theories you have sort of thing. Yeah. So just yeah, kind of keep that in mind. There's like yeah. no pressure to. You're right. Get yeah. too far out there, you know. But um, maybe just a little bit of your background in how you tr- transitioned into motocross okay. as a trainer and why. Yeah. Well, my background has always been linked to some form of training. Um, I come from a family where my dad was an ultra marathon runner. I mean, as young as I can remember, I was always either at a race or traveling to some sort of sporting event with my parents to do something so the whole physical aspect of training has always been around me and in my family you know so my development into training I mean started early uh, with running you know at school it developed into even when I had to do the army I was doing training in the army so um, it's it's been a you know constant link always with, with training um, I was a personal trainer, most of my, my personal training uh, actually in, in England, um, working in the gyms and doing the usual uh, training deal there and, and all their necessary qualifications. Um, but it wasn't until I uh, actually went into, got into the cycling thing, which started with mountain biking. I uh, uh, kind of fell in love with mountain biking when it first started coming out and I was already in England and I saw it on TV and I thought, man, that'd be cool bought a bicycle and then when I finished up there went back to South Africa started racing it and it uh, evolved pretty quickly obviously with South Africa being not such a big country you know the competition on it sets as the standard of, of like Europe so um, I did really well in that developed into that and then knew the next big step once I accomplished everything in South Africa was you know America and Europe so basically came to America uh, started racing out here and, and also in Europe and that developed into getting uh, you know a couple of contracts to keep me going for basically five years but it was during that period that I uh, learned a lot about obviously fine-tuning the training heart rate ratios what I felt worked and what didn't work so uh, that all developed and then uh, towards the end of my career in cycling and mountain bike um, 
Johnny O'Meara, I knew him through Oakley. He was an ex-motocross guy, uh, was into the cycling thing, and then he had the link with uh, Ricky Carmichael, who was overseeing Ricky, and we were chatting, and uh, the short story is, he, you know, he said to me, what about helping Ricky on the physical side? You know, the guy rides well, but we have some issues there, so uh, that developed into an opportunity to kind of go on a limb with, with Ricky, and say, hey, well, you know, do we give it a test run, see where we're at, you know, see if my theories help you, and if it doesn't, we'll move on after that. But that evolved into a great relationship. Obviously, uh, that whole time I was with him, which is almost eight years, it went really well, but uh, basically from that, it just evolved into more athletes, more, uh, and more specializing in motorsports. So, uh, and the longer I've, I mean, this next year is 15 years of endurance. So, on the riding aspect and, and how long I've been involved in the, in the sport, it's like anything, you, you know, you see so much. Uh, I've been blessed to be with the better of the guys and evolve with them and uh, learn a lot of all the skills where today now, uh, you know, my job is to oversee the whole thing, the physical, the strength, the coordination training, um, and then obviously the riding. The, the amounts, the ratios, the heart rate stuff, everything, putting that all together. So that's been pretty cool and that's where we're at today. Yep, so you've been pretty, like, it's kind of a bit of a Midas touch to where every guy you've worked with has won. So you won your first, Kenny jumps on your program last year, you won with him. Obviously you turned RV into the next Ricky Carmichael. Um, you won championships with James. Yeah. James stopped with you, he stopped winning championships. So it's like, not that, you know, we'll say that, but, yeah. you know, it's like, you've kind of got this Midas touch, so what do you, you could argue you have an eye for talent, mm. and I guess this show is what is talent. Yeah. So, I mean, would you say you've got an eye for talent, and what exactly is it that you're looking for in these dudes? Well, yeah, I think I do have an eye for talent. Uh, I also think that uh, there's, there's a lot of the pieces of the pie, because there are guys that I feel are, are, are probably in some areas more talented than the guys that I've, I've even trained. But I do believe it's the package and the ingredients that I look for is obviously that desire to work hard because I still think you can't get around winning or being dominant without really having a good work ethic. So I think the talent is critical, but I do believe that once you get to a certain point in as a professional, you obviously have talent to make to that, you know. Uh, but then I believe it's that honing in the other ingredients, which is correcting that that work ethic and having a really really good structure of training. Because every guy is different. Every guy has different strengths and weaknesses. Uh, from my point of view, and and my the most critical for me in my job is to see where is the weaknesses. So between the tests that I run and the amount of hands-on time I spend with these guys, I think that's a critical part is is figuring out where is this guy's weakness and how can I make that better. And even when you make something better, then how does that evolve as the guy goes through his career? So there's a lot of pieces that I feel, you know, make a champion. Um, and it varies from each guy. They all obviously have talent. They 
all obviously have the ingredients it's getting all those ingredients to work together and that's on the physical strength the mental side is obviously critical and what I believe on that side is the confidence that comes with the guy's program when he feels that he's having all his bases covered I think elevates the, the, the guy you know just that one notch higher and then once you can get that elevated you know your confidence builds from there but you're only one race away from having that you know knocked down so that's a constant battle but I do believe firstly structure and getting all those ingredients to tie in with the individual and, and knowing how does he mentally look at racing, training and the stresses of what the, you know, the teams need and, and what the sponsors require. Yep. So do you think that, you know, obviously you're in the business of physically training your riders that's mm. that's one part of it i guess yeah um do you think like so without saying jake and ryan you had two guys on the same program working physically was jake as good as ryan in terms of what he could do testing and you know like yeah. could he do 30 minutes on a dirt bike yeah no. so it, yeah so what i'm kind of getting at there is more like here's two guys one's the most dominant rider of this generation the other guys on the same program but isn't winning races yeah. so do you think that there's a certain point where there's just a genetic gap that some guys can't make up because ryan physically they're similar but yeah. mentally there's something inside ryan that no training is going to make up do you think that that, that that that's a plausible sort of idea yeah i think the idea because you, you're right you can take two guys that have talent um but maybe different physiology Air, you know what I'd say, I would say areas, but capabilities and, and to analyze that, I'd say, yeah, there's definitely some guys can take that and, 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 and suck more out of it than what other guys are willing to suck out of that. And from my point of view, yeah, I can have and I've had two guys where they're on a similar program, although the heart rate stuff is different, the workload is different. So. That's another thing is how to, my strategy is to obviously get them to cope with heavier workloads to elevate their training and their racing. Some guys get stuck at different workloads for longer than what another guy will evolve. And I do believe that that is that mental inner fight. I'd say that almost that God-given spirit that one will dig longer into it than the other. And just that little bit will make a huge difference because when you've got one guy that's prepared to put it on the line a little bit more or dig that extra bit deeper, when he sees that, well then the confidence builds on that and he's able to elevate. Where if you get another guy where he believes I'm, I'm flat, I'm you know, finished, I can't take this load anymore, and that creeps in, you kind of lose something there that you it's hard to to make up you know what i mean and then what happens is you get a lot more inconsistencies where like i said i've had riders that have almost been the same speed in in, in one or two lappers but then as soon as you put them into 20 laps you know that fight off to five or whatever is is not there or a mistake happens and frustration kicks in and how they deal with that is also critical 
uh, I mean, RV could make a mistake, but then the next lap would fight that back again. Whatever he lost, if it was three tenths, that next lap he'd fight it back. Where, you know, I've had other athletes would take two, three laps just to regroup and then to fight again. So all these little things at this level is what I feel separates the still a professional rider, but what like to the champion status. And then, so with that, like, what do you think that that is? Is that something that is just like, say, an, an RV or a Ricky is just born with that ability to just not give a fuck and just yes. absolutely power through? Yeah, I think you, you're you're born with that that little little bit of extra, and and also I think it's to do with your upbringing. You know, I think that that's key. You know, when I start to dig back and every athlete that I've had that has been a champion, and I dig through the way they were brought up and kind of some of the struggles they've had. In a way, those struggles have been, when I think of it, like, wow, that was pretty harsh. But on the other hand, what it's kind of made them into on the backside is really been critical to their success. So I think God-given ability from when you're born, but then also the way you, you brought up. And I tell you now, in this sport, though, it almost, it's kind of weird, but almost the harsher you've had trying to get to the point of even becoming professional is kind of critical how that can separate that guy that's a fifth place guy and the guy that's number one. Well it's interesting that Adam was saying last night that from like the age that he was nine years old he was just one race away from failing and being shit even though he's won like more races than anyone else he just said that he had this pressure from such a young age to yeah. just win and win and win. He said that he had no competition on the track, but he just had this inner competition with himself yeah. and perception, Yeah. so he couldn't lose. And he yeah. said that he that came into his career. So I mean, yeah. people might see Adam as like, he had it so easy because he was making good money as a kid. Mm. He had all the bikes, he was working yeah. out with Ryan. So people yeah. think that's easy, but do you think that's what made him be able to win his first race? It's just that pressure he's dealt with his whole life? Yeah, I, I, I do believe that. Because that's the thing, is even when, when people say, hey, well, he had the bikes and he had the sponsors. Well, with that, those sponsors expect. You know, no one gives you something and doesn't expect something back. So even with Adam, at an early age, and i got to give props to his parents and how especially Alan, how he always put Adam in a good position. Somehow, he, he would force a way in. And even how I came involved with, with Adam and how Adam came to be riding with RV at such a young age. I think that's important for Adam, how, you know, how he was thrown in there. But with that, you're almost forced that you have to do well. You know, and I think he knew that too. It's like, you don't get these opportunities to be with that kind of echelon of riders and equipment and even at such a young age to have the tracks that he could ride on and, and then not feel that, dude, if I, if I don't perform with this, I don't have an excuse, I have to. And where a lot of other guys will use that as, oh, I never had a bike, I never had this equipment. And, and I believe, well, where there's a will, there's a way, but that will has to be you know, huge, and obviously, yes, your support group fighting to, to, to make that happen. I mean, even with Adam, uh, you know, he's just starting off really what I feel in his career, 
rookie last year, uh, well actually this year. Um, so going into his second season coming, uh, but what's expected and what is said around him and what he, he is giving up too, you know, he's had to move out of the home, his parents have had to set him up, uh, and that there's, there's a lot of costs involved, and even with the group that he's in here, you know, it, it's a tough group, it's, uh, it, it isn't easy to, obviously, your contribution to be in that group is not easy, but uh, I think all those things make that fight a little bit more in, in the person, for sure. Well, like he was saying that um, last night when, when he first moved here, he years were doing your road cycles, and it wasn't like he could, uh, he could even, it wasn't like you just give a shit about Adam because it was all about RV. Yeah. So he's off the back and he said every day like he just had yeah. to pull up a little bit to where he could actually pull with the group. So like is that kind of the fight? Would, do you think other kids would have maybe just said this is too hard? Yeah. And that's the thing is even on with, you know, I don't train a lot of guys. I have a core group. So when someone's in, it's it, you kind of have to fit in in a way too. Otherwise you'll fall out pretty quickly. And uh, there is almost, I mean, in the past, it's always been one guy that has that, you know, that it's kind of all around him. I mean, this is the first time that basically I have my facility where it's not run around, you know, a high-end rider. But in the past, it's always been also, well, it's the high-end rider's place. RV had his own place and people needed to fit in with him and his schedule, which is what's expected. And, and that's not a bad thing. But uh, with that and going back to Adam in the early parts, there was no such thing as, well, buddy, you know, we'll baby you along. It's, you know, sink or swim. And I think that that was good for him because if you, as an amateur, want to know, like, at that high-level professional what it's going to be like, and you're gonna, you've, you've only got a few opportunities to make it work and to make it happen, and you better get used to that. So I think with, with the case with Adam, that I think it gave him a new understanding of kind of where he thought he was because he, he is talented and to me his amateur career we all knew he, he won pretty much everything and sometimes I worried about that because when they do that then they think that that's the way it's going to always go and you lose sight of like gosh in order to be there you know there's a big gap so jumping on the program at an early age I was a little skeptical about taking on someone that early and also I kind of like it when a guy almost hits rock bottom then he, he wants to listen more he's more motivated and all the rest but uh, it was good with Adam because he came in got a taste of the level and in a way it did motivate him to like well geez I'm, I'm not as good as what I think I am and how much more I've got to be in order to be at that level yeah so, I'll try and move it, move it on a little bit for you. So let's just talk about a bit of these kind of the theories of like you know why these dudes because I can go out and ride, and I get <coughs> and I've I've got fear. So these guys kind of almost program their mind to not see what they do as fear. So do you think that's kind of one element of why they can go fast? But then also, do you think like say me and Adam, are, we're driving down the street at 100 miles an hour. So what my my heart rate elevates, my, my senses kind of elevate, do you think that I feel 
because I'm obviously slow on a dirt bike or, you know what I mean? Mm. Do you think that I would feel different to what Adam feels? And is that something that there's just a level biologically in our brains that let us, you know, or like does they your say, brain adapt maybe. Yeah. yeah. And you know, they used to say like Babe Ruth could slow down a baseball yeah. and that's why, you know, like, is there something biological going on in their brains to where they see things slower, they yeah. can process the infant, look at the ruts that come at them and yeah. you know, they can just process and focus to, to get that job done. Like what are your kind of theories yeah. on why everyone can't do what they do? Well, I think it starts with where you automatically finding your little niche and obviously in this sport they start young and obviously it starts off as fun I would think I think no one has a, has a, has a four-year-old says well yeah this is the next champion they're like okay are you interested in riding a motorcycle and kids loving it and off he goes and it starts with fun but then you see the development on what separates where that's always going to be fun and then the one that's kind of well we've got to go to the race now you know and this kid's just dominant over the rest and I do believe that that is a internal ability that once they find their niche that they do process it a little bit easier they do find they almost click with, with, with certain things especially with regards to most of the speed and how things are coming up the feel the reaction all of that has to be some sort of natural I mean you can see two in kids that go get on a skateboard you know, you'll see one that can balance way more and off he goes and the other one's tripping and falling. And I just believe that that is an internal reaction, ingredients that sort of one will step that way. Just like when you go to school, one picks up reading quicker than the other. There's, I believe there is, you, 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 you have a talent and especially if it's in a sport that there is ones that are a little bit more apt and talented than than the average and then that's what I believe separates right out of the gate because even the top champions when you look at them at an early age they were evolving a little quicker than kind of everyone else you know and then there are the odd few that took their time but then suddenly evolved but they still got a, a certain ability that separates where yeah me and you would be like yeah I'm, I'm not prepared to put it out on the line or that that doesn't draw me or constantly push me to be better in that area, you know. I always felt on the physical side I was pushed and, you know, so cycling and mountain biking and running, I could find an extra notch that kind of elevated me there. Where these guys, they, in that sport, there'd be no way. But in, with, with that combination of reaction, speed, throttle control, foot control, all of that, they've got a better feel than what I feel the, the average is. So then we, like, I guess Adam's like a really good example of this. Like he's like literally a prodigy. So like you get kids that play violin at nine and they're doing Mozart. Mm -hmm. And at nine, Adam was scrubbing a dirt bike. Yeah. That like literally the plant, no one else in the planet could do that. So what's the combination of things that went right with Adam Cincerello to where he is this prodigy child? like? You know, is there how many things have to fall in line to where it's almost just like a fluke? I think it's almost like a fluke because if you think of it at that age too, I mean, I, I, before I even, even knew Adam, I, I remember seeing a picture of him on, I don't even know what size bike, but it's ridiculously small. And he's sky high in the air jumping some jump that, you know, a normal person would, 
or a normal rider on a, on a bigger bike would he would think twice about. So you got to go back and look. Okay, what is his mindset that that didn't even fear? There was nothing. He just felt it at, at at ease, or he was challenged enough that and confident enough that he thought, "Wow, oh, I can do that." So I do believe that those things do fall in line because at any one point in time, too, if that had gone wrong. Confidence, injuries, all of that are the the demise of an athlete. So, yeah, I, I think that all the stars aligned at the time to create where, obviously, he started to, to feel this ability that was separating him from the others. And the good thing about that too is then the confidence kicks in and it just escalates. Like I said, once a guy wins once. The second time to win is, is easy. To win the first time, though, that's the hardest. But then there's the next challenge of that's winning. Then there's the championship, which once a guy pieces that together, then I always find all the second one is a little easier than that. But it's it's getting those those milestones, and I do believe that's all to do with that whole confident, that belief that oh I've done it, so I know I can do it. You know, and actually believing because yeah. I can tell myself well I can. You know, go and ride a dirt bike and do that jump. But in the back of my head, I can do that, but I don't really believe that I can do it safely. You know, or I'm gonna probably bugger it up, you know. So there's things there that, you know, what you think and what you firmly believe is is, is a big part of, of that development. So where do you think being someone that's really developed on the numbers and the, the testing uh, on the physical side of it, where do you think we are mentally with knowing what goes on in these athletes' heads? Because, I mean, you're a good judge of talent because you've won, mm. but you haven't, it's not like you've had the data on, you know, you've got yeah. your heart rates, but you don't know what's going on in the head. So you're picking yeah. on a feeling. How far away are we from actually knowing what talent Jeez, is? I, you know, that's, that's a tough call because, and I'll tell you what, um, when I do tests on the physiology, those are numbers. You know, heart rate, lactate levels, I mean even VO2 will give you an idea of the capabilities of the athlete, but yet with motorcycles, I don't see that that makes a big difference. Um, strength, power to weight ratios, and it, once again, it all comes to the particular athlete. Everyone's at a different stage, so you, you can't set that level even. Um, but I can do tests and I can see how much fight's in the dog, for sure. But that's how much fight is in the dog on the, on the physical side. Now, I can't really see how much fight's in the dog when it comes to blind triples and you know, quads and things that they've got to put together. That's something that I, I do feel is left out there and that evolves and, and that is to do with the mindset. And I don't see any way that you could literally read the mind and know where this person's going because even at one point like even in the week I can have a good week but man the guy's lap times are good he's, he's he dealt with the load ratio as well his recovery's phenomenal wow and in the next week be different and I don't know what is there something change on the track did something change did he wake up and have a fight with some I, there's so many things I believe go on and to me it's life that affect the mindset and the approach of an athlete that I don't see how you're supposed to monitor that 
continually. And especially as the person evolves, I mean, even with, a, with an RV, no one could deny the fight in the dog and what he was willing to do to win and to train. But then once he started winning, well, then the desire was like, well, I've won. I've, they paid me a lot of money, money to win and I've got that, so that's good. What am I doing this now? You know, like there's a, also a catch at some point, well, where that starts to tip the other way is what is driving the athlete? Normally starts because they're obviously it's a job you have to earn your money. You, in order to earn your money, you have to win. And then there's the whole championship thing. As you win, well, can you win a championship? Well, can you back it up? So you've got all these little pieces that drive the athlete all along the way. Now, I remember when I first started with, with RV, he was in that mountain where he'd come off a massive injury. He was floating about, well, am I capable of moving forward? I, you know, you know, I've ruined myself in a, in a big way. Can I really do the job that they're expecting of me? So it was kind of a 50-50 gamble. And then he, when he found out, well, okay, the leg's actually okay, and it's not gonna hinder me preparing to do my job, well, then I might as well go for it and go all in. But even then, his goals were, look, if I just win a championship, I'm good. But then it evolves, well, if you win one, you back it up. And those are the, the, the pressures, but I also feel that they are the, the driving forces that the athlete use, uses to drive him to that next level. But when you run out of those, there's nothing. So we've got the, so kind of in your mind, you've got this physical element, which you can fully control. Yep. Then there's this mental element, which is just a question mark. Yeah. And then there's this psychology of what you said as life. Yeah. So would you say that there are three elements of what goes into these super athletes? I would say that and then there's the fourth element of the machinery. They rely on their machinery. And if, I, you know, if you're on a mach machine that isn't at a very similar level, I don't see it. So, you know, so there's all those pieces. It's, once again, we mustn't forget that it, it's motorsport. You know, yes, the athlete is in control and he's trying to control, but there is that machine. I mean, I've been to numerous events when then if they haven't got the setup right, it's that much harder to, to get it to get it right. Or how do you kind of almost band-aid it for the day to make it through and collect, you know. So there's that other aspect too that you've got that whole piece that needs to be part of the deal. It's, you know, you're not buying a bike off the shelf and, and expect that thing to go and ride on a track, you know, like that, that we have. So, uh, and two, like how much kind of goes into the psychology element? Or I guess is it in your case where you're working with guys that they already have those pieces naturally? So I mean, you're, are you not really searching to, to kind of push their psychology or is that even something that you try and work on? No, that's, I think that's one of the biggest parts because on the training side, the numbers and ratios, I feel, gosh, that's pure math. But it's keeping them on it, which is the psychology of pushing them, driving them to evolve that. And at the same time, monitoring what's affecting them that is affecting the training. And how do we piece that all together? And that's a constant evolution as the, the athlete goes every year. 
well he gets one better in one area but then now like even with Kenny well when he comes to the outdoors this year he's the reigning champion he's expected so he's no longer a rookie so the mindset is even different so I've got to monitor where is the mindset what is expected because now it's his it, he's expected it's not oh you got a learning year so you, the whole mindset changes and so my I've got to monitor well is that a negative for him and if it is, how do I come in from the backside and work with the confidence from the physical side to counteract whatever the negative side is on how he's addressing the stresses of being a champion and what the sponsors expect of him. So to me, that's one of the hardest and what to me keeps me in business because it, it's, it, every day is another challenge to however that athlete is approaching something. So is there, like, I guess we'll just finish with, what, what's interesting to you about what we're trying to do with this show? Like, are there, like is there elements where, it, as hard as it is to, you know, create numbers, like, is there yeah. an element that's interesting to you about what we're trying to do and what, if you, if you could have a crystal ball, what would you want to know? Yeah, if I, if I could, and, and what's interesting about what, what you're trying to piece together is there a set pattern that makes a champion. And I believe that, I mean, yeah, we could honestly figure out a way to monitor the, the brain and the stress levels and the thought patterns of athletes that would maybe help. But I think that's, that's the mystery that will always keep, you know, us challenged in a way. Otherwise, yeah, if it was all just not, we'd honestly be a robot. And we know that that ain't the case. So, it, it is cool because if you can start isolating and, it, and even the physical side has been has come a long way with regards to now how we can easily measure you know heart rates lactate levels stress loads power output all these things on the physical side uh, can be measured and it's come a long way but how do we branch to the more men mentality side and monitor that that is a big key and, and that is going to be and I'm sure that will evolve and you know, people will come up with theories and maybe ideas on how you actually follow that but uh, I believe the only if you're really in a good relationship with the athlete can you even tap into trying to follow that so as an outside source I don't see how you just come in put the metal dome on the guy's head and figure out with numbers he's going to win the championship in 2020. I don't know. Yeah, so that, that I get that's a cool point. And like, that's kind of the thing that started this whole thing is like, and it, in my mind was what you've done with the body, you know, because yeah. Ricky's not an athlete yeah. physically, yeah. but the dude won't. So there's this mental side, but then the, so you've, 15 years you've developed this physical side. Yeah. For 15 years, the bikes have got better every single year. Yeah. But there's this, the mind is just, we leave it to the athletes. And it's, you know, yeah. like they're these special people and we know they're special and we can see they're special. And then that pushes other people to develop the other elements around them. Yeah. But, you know, there just hasn't been the development of that mental side. Nah, and like I said, I think that that's something that will be a mystery, I mean, forever in a way. And, and, and just because also, you're only going to tap into the mind of an athlete a little or a bit by bit 
with being in complete and utter contact with him all the time, understanding how he thinks, how he evolves, how he, you know, what what annoys him, what what stresses him out, what are all the, the, the things that that we try and look at to elevate to to winning because winning comes through confidence. To me, that's and, and that's why I always start with the physical side because that's something you can control. And then when the athlete says, "Man, I, you know, I'm looking good, I'm feeling good, I can push harder, I'm not worried about getting tired now," uh, all these little steps is once again it's all feeding the mind. And those are the hurdles you try and click through, but those evolve too you know so that is yeah one of the mysteries that I think it'll take a, a lot more you know one-on-one -on -one and and that whole psycho part of it that you got to monitor and I mean, like I said I feel like that's been my biggest learning curve is reading into where the athlete is and, and, and what what is his pros and cons and what drives him and how can I work with that and, and get more out of it? Sweet. Well, we're parking a little bit there. Let's go. Trust it, man. Awesome. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.